0: Hello and welcome to episode two hundred and forty-six of AVTalk. I am Ian Pechnik here
1: once again, as always with Jason Rabinowitz. Apologies for my uh, extended leave of absence. I guess that was the, the better part of three episodes, two of which, you know, were vacation, and as much as I love talking to you for my daily or my weekly therapy session, Ian. I needed a little break, but then uh, you, actually, you need, to, I, you need was, to take care of yourself. I need to take care of myself. and Then I immediately went into the post-travel sickness stage where, where talking just wasn't happening. and I'm still not completely over it, but I'm going to power through it because if I miss three podcasts in a row, I'm pretty sure you just replaced me with Ned or probably Jeremy.
0: No, no, no. You, sir, are irreplaceable. Oh, but we would hold we would hold tryouts for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Open open casting call. <laughs> oh, open casting. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to as someone who's been following your recovery, I'm glad to hear your voice. Thank you. You're sounding much better than you were even just a few days ago.
1: So, Let's see so where we'll I am 40 minutes from now.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see how things go. You can just like click the mic or tap the mic. Uh, tap twice yeah, I'll, to I'll agree, tap once though, to yeah, disagree. <laughs> It'll all work out. So Jason's back this week. I'm back in the U.S. Uh, I was in Stockholm all oh, last week for so our company sad. gathering
1: and missed that.
0: And, did you, did you uh, save me any, any herring? Anything at all? I brought you 20 pounds of herring, and it's in the mail. Ah, I'm so sorry oh, to oh. whatever whatever letter carrier has to deliver that. But we made it back. Yeah, no, it was a good trip. I'm sad that Jason couldn't be there, but it was a good week. For those that were were hopeful to hear the conversation with our co founders, that's been put off for a little bit because we tried to do a recording and the room where it just there's bad audio that's passable and then there's just you just listen to it and you're like, no, that's
1: uh, you were in the economy conference room, weren't you?
0: No, no. We were in just in a conference. It was like a conference setup thing that we were in and it just didn't work out. It sounded like we were all standing at one end of the tunnel and then someone had put like a microphone that they used to record one of the first phonographs at the other end of a tunnel. But for whatever reason, it didn't quite work out. But I'm going to try and turn that conversation into a transcript and a blog post. And hopefully we can have Mikhail Ulov on the podcast at some point in the future. So I'm I'm sorry to our listeners who are looking forward to that, but we'll have something. Yeah. So a good bit of seeing everybody, seeing that. You know the company is still growing, especially on the people who make Flight Radar Twenty Four even better side of things. So that's fun, and got to take a look at uh, a few things that are coming up in the new year. One of the first releases after the new year is going to be really very pleasing to a lot of long time. Flightradar24 users, especially. An update that many users have been asking for for a very long time. One that I'm certainly looking forward to, and I'm looking forward to saying more about that in the next couple of weeks. But for now, Jason, I ask you this. Well, you're in Dulles right now.
1: So after your return trip, are you done for the year? Are you done flying? I am done for the year. After tomorrow, you know, my most Loved, beloved, actually hated, revered flight, I guess, uh, from <laughs> Dulles to LaGuardia tomorrow, which who knows how long that might take. But hey, they just posted the, the Z5 gate for me. So if you ever fly out of Dulles, you know how coveted Z5 is. But after that, unless there's any unexpected pop ups, I am done for 2023. I've had enough. Someone else can take a few flights in my place. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else can be Jason Rabinowitz on the ticket for a hey, couple weeks. It was, it was a good year. This thing I have on my phone tells me I flew 65,920 miles this year. I guess we'll round that up to 66,000 next year. So that'll be 34 flights, eight of them long haul. And I spent six days and let's say 15 hours in the air this year. So not too bad.
0: Not too bad. Yeah, I had a slower year this year than I did last year for a variety of reasons, mostly because I was moving house the entire back half of the year. So I, I think uh, traveling during during that period would have, you know, there comes a point when you want to live to travel another day, and I think that's what happened this year. But I was down from last year only thirteen flights this year. Only let's see twenty. 5,000 miles, I think.
1: Uh, Let me double check.
0: Yeah, 25,000 and change, but 55 hours and 54 minutes in the air. So, uh, But some really good travel this year, some really good travel. I was leaving Copenhagen and the customs officer was looking at my passport to stamp the exit visa. And she goes, you come here a lot.
1: It wasn't a question. (laughs) She was like, you come here a lot. I was like, yeah, that's... It's true. The biggest takeaway for me this year is my most-flown aircraft somehow, and still tomorrow, until tomorrow, until 24 hours from now, is the 777-300ER, so I'm very happy with that. Wow. I have spent 42 hours on board that particular aircraft traveling 21,776 miles, so that's a good year when the 777-300ER is your most-flown aircraft. Yeah, for sure.
0: My biggest Av Geek accomplishment this year was ticking off all of the triple sevens for the year. So I've got the dash eight, dash nine, and dash ten now in my cards. It was the seven eight sevens, and of course the the venerable and I nudge nudge, wink wink, venerable A 300 But there you go. So a good travel year, especially looking back on, on the trips that you know beyond work. I think Dorkfest was the best one and a very mm-hmm. good
1: Dorkfest this year. So yeah, tell looking us, forward to more flying. In yeah, uh, it was a good year. But tell us about a couple hundred passengers who ended the year on a really low note.
0: Ooh,
1: ooh, yeah. So
0: I mean, as someone who flies over Goose Bay on a regular basis. I always think about that when, you know, considering where we might end up if there's a diversion. 270 passengers from a Delta flight from Amsterdam to Detroit actually ended up there. And because of the weather, after they landed in Goose Bay, Because Delta sent a rescue flight almost immediately and they were ready to go. They were like, all right, let's go. Everybody on the plane, we're headed out. Then the weather deteriorated at Goose Bay, so they got stuck there and the pilots from the rescue flight timed out. Oof. so then they had to spend the night, and then in the morning everything was was better, and the third A330 from Delta actually got them to where they needed to
1: go. There were more um, Delta A three thirties in Goose Bay than some airlines have aircraft in their entire fleet.
0: That is both true and a weird statistic. I think sometimes we get into like baseball statistics or like an international frame of reference, maybe cricket statistics. I'm not sure where it's like the, you know, the aircraft that departed on Tuesday can only fly left circles three times. It's very, very interesting statistics here. But yes, that's technically correct. Technically, the, best kind
1: of correct. the best kind of correctness. Right. But yeah, really. Unfortunate situation. It turns out one of the engines on the A330 had an anti-ice issue, which is a particular thing you need when flying in that part of the world. when they got there, they said they the rescue aircraft, because this is Delta we're talking about, was immediately dispatched, but then the crew timed out, and that is just the icing on the cake of your day where you where you think you're getting out of there and then, then you're not. And then you're stuck in army barracks overnight. But Every account, every article we've read about is that our our neighbors to the north here in the US were extremely hospitable and caring, and everyone said, oh, yeah, it was actually not so bad. There are worse places. It was a
0: fine hotel. I think the thing that most people don't understand or think about is that when we say army barracks, what we're talking about is basically like a no-frills hotel or like a college dorm. It's not like a big room with bunk beds. Right. Maybe, it, may, I mean, were, there might be bunk beds. I don't know, but then, like everybody gets their own room, kind of thing. But yeah, everybody made it home safely the next day. All the aircraft are back in service, and the aircraft that had the anti ice issue was back in service the next day and is currently, let's see, in Seattle waiting to head to Atlanta.
1: So I wonder how many A330s Delta has to spare in Detroit. Like if the third one broke, would they just send a fourth and a fifth and a sixth? Like, how? Just many? keep sending them. At that point, you I mean, just keep have sending them. To spare. You just keep sending them. I
0: don't know. All right. <laughs> you lost <laughs> just, another A330? <laughs> how many movie references can we sneak into this podcast? I don't one. know. That's a great one. Let's see. So they've got 31 A330 300s in the fleet plus another 11 200s they have 26 a330neos already
1: yeah they're uh, wow they got a lot
0: that's no, a well, lot of planes
1: for pretty much for every 767 7, 300 in the fleet they need an a330neo yeah. to replace it, and they've got a lot of 767s to replace they sure do yeah 45 of them still in the fleet and then the
0: 764 is at 21 How about that? You don't realize how big the big U.S. airline fleets are until you forget that they're that big and then go look at the fleet list and go, wow, there's that many planes. With hundreds more
1: on order somehow. Yeah. So Yes. Somehow there's room for more. and Maybe they'll just all be parked at Goose Bay. That would be unfortunate. Let's hope not. Let's
0: hope not. All right. Moving on, Boeing has a presumptive new CEO eventually. Stephanie Pope has been chosen for the chief operating officer role, which is a brand new job at Boeing. So, her promotion, along with the fact that this position was created specifically for her, has led to wide ranging speculation that Pope will become the CEO when current CEO David Calhoun retires. Pope is currently the head of Boeing Global Services. She's been with the company for nearly 30 years. So it'd be kind of poetic to see the 30th year next year have her become CEO. She's been the chief financial officer of both Boeing Global Services and Boeing's commercial airplanes unit. And she knows numbers. And so, I mean, I think. From Boeing's perspective, she's widely respected throughout the company and has the trust of investors.
1: And I think that's a super important thing for the CEO of Boeing to have trust. Yeah. And what I think is important here is that the current CEO, David Calhoun, he was not by any means an outsider to Boeing. He was on the board of directors before he was CEO of Boeing. So he definitely had his hand in a lot of the doings, a lot of the big decisions that got Boeing into the situation it currently finds itself in, which we won't really get into, but it's not a particularly great situation. Stephanie Pope, as far as I can tell, has never been on the board of directors. She has an extensive history at Boeing, Boeing commercial airplanes, Boeing commercial services, but she was never, as far as I can tell, at the level of being on the board at Boeing. So you can't really attribute any of the systemic culture or engineering decisions back to her, probably at least at that high level. So it it does seem, at first blush, like a like a legitimately good choice. And and I hope we do see her as CEO. That would be a breath of fresh air, I think.
0: Yeah, I think you know, so far so good. It'll be interesting to see how she progresses into the COO role. That's new, so I'm. Keen to see how quickly she becomes the face of the company versus Calhoun as a CEO, who is, from what I can tell, been between mildly uncomfortable and actively running away from kind of speaking to people outside the company. And so it'll be interesting to see how she fills that role as well. Boeing, for its part, had a fairly good november 45 max aircraft went out the door in november that's up from just 18 in october and 15 the month before that so deliveries accelerating boeing said hey we're going to increase production as well when they were talking about how many deliveries they made so moving in the right direction it seems that all things i mean especially coming on the heels of the fairly substantial order book increase coming out of the Dubai Airshow this
1: year. So Boeing looking good. Now, they just need to keep it looking good. Boeing has this cyclical recent history where things look good, then things look really bad, then things look good, then things look really bad. Let's see if they can keep it good for more than a couple weeks. That would be a nice change. That would be a nice change. This isn't rough transition.
0: To say that we (laughs) need to keep things looking good, but this is something that's been in the works for a while and it's airworthiness directives are just
1: technically not a Boeing
0: thing. Well, it's yeah, true. So we're talking about the 737NG, specifically the CFM 56 7B model of the engines that power the 737NG. FAA is adopting airworthiness directives that will require airlines to adopt Boeing's design changes to the cowls on those engines as a result of two fan blade out events that occurred on Southwest aircraft. One of those being the fan blade out event that led to shrapnel puncturing the fuselage that led to the death of a passenger on the flight on the Southwest 737 flight uh, a few years ago. So The redesign Of the cowl is an attempt to contain the shrapnel because the blade itself was actually contained. It wasn't, the NTSB has said it's not technically an uncontained engine failure because the engine was contained, but the cowl became the shrapnel itself. And so this redesign will hopefully prevent any. Shrapnel from impacting the fuselage in the future if a fan blade out event were to occur again. And sure, it's possible that that would happen. So you want to obviously design for safety.
1: That is a lot of engines they're going to have to go back and retrofit with this design change. How many CFM 56s are probably on the wings of three ngs I can't even imagine how many. Thousands. Uh, I guess it's however many NGs are in service times two plus however many spares there are out there. It's a huge number.
0: Yeah. It affects 2,000 aircraft. So 4,000 engines plus spares, and that's just the US. So yeah, that's a lot of engines. But this is not a surprise. Boeing has been working on this for a while. They've already said, here's the fix. This is what we're doing. And the FAA is saying, okay, this is a good idea this is something that we should do and airlines should adopt these changes that boeing has put into place jason you've been gone for a couple of weeks uh, and we didn't have a terribly long conversation a few weeks ago when when you were here so we've been neglectful of the pratt and whitney 1100g engine what now what happened i'm here to change that okay. so the faa the faa is now expected to issue airworthiness directives, multiple airworthiness directives that expand the scope of the inspections and replacements for the contaminated parts on the Pratt & Whitney 1100Gs. They're not saying there are more, The FAA is just saying we've been through all the paperwork, and here are the airworthiness directives. So those are expected to come out before the end of the year. That will mandate the changes and kind of lay out how things are supposed to go. So the issue hasn't gotten worse necessarily, but the FAA is saying we are now catching up, so to speak, to the Pat and Whitney issuance of guidance and mandating these things. So not a bad thing, but just reiterating
1: what we already know. All right. Well, good that we haven't seen any supremely negative news come out of this recently. So this is just more of the same. It's been a few
0: quiet weeks, I guess. Yeah.
1: That's good. This is what happens when I take off or I I can't join the podcast. Pratt & Whitney has a a good month. There you go. Let's see. Should we do some orders now? I think we we should. We love orders. Orders are great to keep the industry
0: going. So we've got Avalon, the Irish-based lessor, taking 140 more or ordering 140 more aircraft. That's in addition to the 200 that the lessor has already ordered this year. So we've got, let's see, 100 more A321 NEOs and 40 more Boeing 737-8 MAX aircraft. That's a lot of
1: plates. It's, it's interesting that they'd come back this late in the year after already ordering so many aircraft and saying, you know what? No, we want 100 more 321 Neos. Like, I can't even imagine the negotiation and the tactics that go on to to not just ordering them all at once, but ordering several times throughout the year, not just a couple, but literally 100 aircraft in one shot. That's, uh, you, you have wanna, to be to fly on the wall for that. Do you want to shop the Christmas sales? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. but This is a Black Friday, (laughs) probably.
0: (laughs) Exactly. This takes their delivery of aircraft, their delivery schedule out to 2032. So they have nine
1: years of aircraft all ready to go. It's a lot of aircraft, a lot lot of aircraft to place, a lot to build, and more importantly for Avalon, a lot of aircraft to place with airlines. Yep.
0: So no specific placement noted in the order. So these are just Ordering them to have them ready to go. Cathay Pacific currently and all, or Cathay Pacific Cargo, currently an all Boeing 747 freighter fleet, has ordered six Airbus A350 freighters with the option for 20 more. Mm, How about that? That's a big defection. I mean, in so much as, yeah, I mean, to be fair, they do have, you know, 777Fs on order. This will be, let's see, the first aircraft is going to go over to Cathay Cargo in 2027, and they'll take the delivery of the first six all through 2029. So that's- uh,
1: You would have thought Cathay would have been a shoe in for the 777X freighter, but they, I guess not. I guess they saw something they liked in the A350 a bit more. I mean, they
0: have the order for it. So I mean, it's- I assume that the fleet will eventually be split as the 747 freighters leave the fleet, but they have the Dash 8s. So, I mean, the, those aren't going anywhere for a while. The 400s, I think, are going to see replacement
1: with the A350 freighters. Oh, I miss their – I think it's long retired now, but the silver bullet, their 747-400, that was just all silver champagne. Yeah, I miss that plane. I mean, we could bring it back if you wanted to start an airline. Can you tweet it out on Jet Photos tomorrow for me? Yeah, I can do that. Thank you. You got it.
0: Let's see. Staying in the region, Japan Airlines is sending its first A350-1000 to JFK in New York. We have the date now, January 24th. All right. They that's, will get yeah. – That's exciting. They'll get their second a three fifty one thousand sometime in the beginning of the year, probably March or April, and that will allow them to go daily on the tokyo j f k route with the a three fifty one thousand and then Jason, if you were going to have a second destination where you sent your premier flagship a three fifty one thousand from Tokyo, where would you send it
1: next after? Man, think of the the world class cities like London or paris or LA or even like Chicago maybe, though we don't really give Chicago first dibs on nice things. I'd go with, let's call it London. That's a long flight. It is a long flight, but you know where they're actually going to send it? Where? Dallas. Why? I don't know. Why? But that's I mean, where? I, it's a one world hub, but not that's where what I, I – You just answered your question. I mean, it's not where I'd send my premier – highly touted technologically sophisticated first class equipped with with seat mounted headphone things like this, I wouldn't send a dfw but if you are a dfw bound passenger and you want to fly JAL, you just got one heck of a gift yep so
0: by the time the middle of the year rolls around next year jahl will have Three A three fifty one thousands, and that will allow them to begin service to DFW.
1: So how about that? Lucky, lucky Dallas. I mean, after JFK um, yeah. first, of course. Because, yeah, you know. of, course, of course, of course. This
0: week, the Comac C nine one nine, and importantly, the ARJ twenty one are in cool. Hong Kong on that's display. This marks Art yeah of that is exciting. Part of it, part of that is exciting. Part of it's baffling, but the visit by the C nine one nine to Hong Kong marks the first time that that aircraft has left mainland China. It also marks the first time that the ARJ twenty one has done. Some, it doesn't matter; nobody cares about that.
1: Plane. The first time the ARJ twenty one has been relevant in a while. Let's just say, sure. So, yeah,
0: interesting to see that it's on display. They might do some flying displays over the harbor in Hong Kong. So, that should be interesting to see if it happens. But keep an eye out for that.
1: Fine. It's one baby step towards the 919 becoming a true third competitor in the narrowbody world. I'm excited for that. I mean, going to Hong Kong outside of mainland China is the greatest leap of any sort, but it's a baby step. So, I'm excited for that. The ARJ21. Couldn't care less in the slightest, but the C nine one nine, it's going to have an interesting story, and this is the first step towards, I think, legitimizing it outside of China. It's going to be an uphill battle, but I guess starting in Hong Kong makes sense. Got to start somewhere. Let's go to Russia, okay. in the sense that we're going to talk about Russia. We're, we are not
0: actually going to Russia. I feel like okay. I need to clarify that and quickly. <laughs> Surprise! The Ural A three hundred and twenty that made an emergency landing in a field because the pilots forgot that aircraft need fuel to fly has been buttoned up for the winter.
1: We they got all watched, excited. They, they should have watched CNN talking about MH, the Malaysian plane, way back when, when they told us without fuel. Yes, that's true. The airplane would struggle to stay in the air. That's true. That's true. But that was the triple seven. Oh, yeah. The 320, it's, it's an it, Airbus. It even it. be, who knows? It might be different. But that's, uh, but, that's uh, disappointing. Yeah. This is disappointing news that it's mothballed. I was really hoping to get some really crappy video out of mm-hmm. Russia of this thing taking off from an icy runway. Oh, seems, absolutely. Seems less and less likely like that's going to happen, and they're just going to mothball it and part it out in place and throw some parts in the back of a flatbed and bring it to an airport where the parts are badly needed. But that's... uh. They got us a little excited for a little while that maybe, just maybe, this was going to happen. But seemingly, I thought not. It was
0: we were going to have a chance.
1: Too bad, but uh, oh well. And
0: last but not least, I can't believe it actually happened. So a year ago now, we were talking about the Illusion ninety six freighter. That Russia was pulling out of storage that had been stored since 2004, 2005. We didn't know where it was going to go. Then it was going to go to Airbridge Cargo, which before the invasion of Ukraine had operated a global fleet of 747 aircraft. And then that wasn't going to happen anymore. And now they painted it into Skygates Airlines livery
1: and it's flying. It's actually flying. It's running cargo. I can't believe it actually happened. That is outrageous. How long was this aircraft
0: grounded for? I mean years. Years and years and years and years.
1: If I'm looking, if this is right on Pointspoters.net, it was grounded for over a decade. It was withdrawn from use February twenty-eighth, twenty twelve, re-entered service December ninth, twenty twenty-three. So over a decade, mothballed. And the funny thing is, it's not even that old an aircraft. It's only a fourteen year old aircraft, so it spent almost its entire life grounded, not even operating. So that's uh, if you got to pick a mothballed aircraft, this one kind of kind of makes sense.
0: It was available and it ran uh, for, and, for and it three years. It's a baby. Is a baby. Yeah, it originally flew with Pullet, And then was mothballed and now is back with Skygates. And you can track the flights now because they apparently installed ADS-B. So that's helpful. Flying on Moscow-UAE routes, it's been to Dubai, it's been to Sharjah, and it is currently in. Which one is
1: it in now? It's currently in Sharjah. So there you go. How about that? That's, I guess, not super unexpected, but really uh, kind of. Desperate move, but hey, you got to do what you got to do.
0: I guess so. So, Jason, you made it through the episode. I'm proud of you. Under and, 40 and minutes. Thank you for, for your In you, you, you gave me a 40, 40 minute, 40 minute timeline. Yep. Yeah. You gave me a 40 minute timeline and we got it done. Over the next couple of weeks, let's see, looking into my crystal ball, also known as ICAL. We've got next week is a regular episode, I hope, barring anything else. And then we'll go into some more retrospective material, shall we say, for that coming up. But that's where I ask for your help, dear listeners. Let us know if you've been listening to the podcast for the year. Thank you so much, first of all. And second of all, let us know which episode you liked the best. Let us know which topic of discussion which interview you enjoyed the best, anything that you thought was very, very good, let us know. And also let us know what you didn't like. And we'll get rid of whatever that is and do more of whatever you liked in the coming year. You can email us at podcast at fr24.com. And we'll have a look at that and incorporate that into the next few episodes. This has been Av Talk episode 246. I, Emmy Ian Pechnik, here as always with Jason With Thanks for
1: listening.